as today's Mother's Day, today to celebrate and thank our mums for all that they have done for us. So for many of us, this is a day of gratitude and joy. But of course, it's not that kind of day for everyone. This can be a really tough day for some. As some of us have really difficult relationships with our mums. Some were neglected. Some were really hurt by them. And for others this day is a painful reminder of the grief that they carry. Of a mum who is no longer with them. Of a child who was taken too soon. Or of an unrealised dream. And the sense of loss that this produces. But whether our family life has brought lots of gratitude and joy into our hearts. Or it has uh, brought pain and suffering. The good news is that the gospel is for all of us. This is powerfully demonstrated in one of the key families in the Old Testament. This family knew the pain of childlessness, of favoritism, of rivalry, of bitterness and loss. But despite all of this, this family demonstrated incredible faith. Faith in a God who is faithful to his promises. And it's this family that the writer of Hebrews wrote about in chapter 11 of his letter, in that hall of faith that we started a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to continue today. So we're going to read about this family with a better faith. And Christopher's going to read to us Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through to 22. By faith, Abraham called to go to a place he would later receive as inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sands on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to them, It is through Isaac 
that your offspring will be reigned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. So in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to the future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. So this chapter starts with uh, the righteous definition of faith. If you remember, we looked at that the last time. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's the kind of faith that God is looking for in our lives. An unwavering confidence in the promises of God. An absolute assurance that although we can't see it yet, one day we will. And that's what Abraham and his family demonstrated. In the middle of challenging situations and their own faults and failings, because they were far from our family, this family put their faith in God. And it started when God said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land, I will show you. This was a really demanding call. To leave his home, his culture, his extended family, his security, his comfort, his support structure, and set out on a journey with God. It demanded a radical trust in God. Especially because God didn't give him a detailed plan of what was going to happen. That all that God gave Abraham was a promise. I will make you into a great nation, Genesis chapter 12 says. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's a great promise. One that would ultimately be fulfilled in Jesus. Abraham's ultimate son, the one who would be a blessing to all peoples on earth. But at the time when Abraham got that promise, he couldn't see all of this. He didn't have the plan laid out for him. He couldn't Google map it to see what the journey was going to be like. He couldn't check out his destination on TripAdvisor to see if it was a place that was worth visiting. All he had was this call from God and a promise from him that he would be blessed. The verse 8 tells us that by faith Abraham, when called to go, he would later go to a place where he would later receive as an inheritance where he obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. In faith, Abraham left his home, left his culture, left his extended family, and set out on a lifelong journey 
waiting on God's promises. So verse 9 says, By faith he made his home, <coughs> excuse me, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger from the country. Abraham did not go to Canaan and then move into one of the Canaanite cities. He didn't integrate into the ungodly culture of that nation. And then he lived as a nomad, moving from place to place in someone else's land. And that was because, verse 10, he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect, builder is God. He was trusting that one day God would fulfill his promises and give him a new home. A secure city built on solid foundations where God was the designer, where God was the creator, and where God was in charge. And that's the better faith that the people, the original readers of this letter, they need. Because they've been called to trust in Jesus, the one who had appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin. The sacrifice of himself. It was made for the sins. And so they were being asked to leave behind their old life within the security and the familiarity of Judaism. To walk away from the temple and the priesthood and all those animal sacrifices that were part of the Old Testament worship. And instead, let us strangers, strangers in this world, waiting for a heavenly city, a better destination, a promise that will only be fulfilled when Jesus will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting. the original readers of this letter meaning. But it's the better faith that we need to. Whatever our situation, Jesus calls us to leave everything behind. That's what Jesus said in chapter 9 verse 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow his call is to leave behind every other source of security, of salvation, and instead put our trust in Jesus alone. To step out on this journey, trusting in his finished work on the cross, in his good plan, and in his good purpose. Not because we can see exactly where we're going, not because we know all the twists and turns of life, but because we take Jesus and his word and we believe his promise that whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me, Jesus said, will save it. Abram went where God told him to go. And 
God had told Abraham that he would become this great nation. But the problem was that he and Sarah were childless. And now they were well on in years, well past the age of hoping that something natural was going to happen and they were going to have the joy of having a kid. And Abraham, he didn't give up on his faith in God. The Lord said to him in Genesis chapter 15, Look up at the heavens and count the stars if nature would count them. So shall your offspring be. Maybe even ridiculous, or you may even say impossible. And yet, incredibly, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. Against all logic, all of his experience, and all of his common sense, Abraham took God in his word. And he believed that God would do exactly what he said. He would do the impossible. Now if if you know the story of Genesis, eh, then you'll know that Abraham's faith was far from perfect. He struggled to hold on to that faith. And he made some huge mistakes along the way. But his faith was genuine. God works the power. So not only was Abraham declared righteous in God's sight, not only was he saved by his faith, by his faith, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father. By faith he became the father of Isaac. You know, that was just the start. Over the centuries, Abraham's family would continue to grow. It would grow and it would grow and it would become a huge nation. There were even more than that. Because this family would grow even further. As everyone who believes in Jesus is a child of Abraham. And so from one man, and he is to this day, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. God did the impossible in Abraham's life. And he brought fruitfulness from barrenness. He brought joy from disappointment. He brought life from death. But why did Abraham believe this? Why did Abraham believe that God could do this? Even when it seemed just so impossible. Well, verse 11 tells us. Was because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. Abraham did not have faith because he could imagine himself as the father of a great nation. He didn't kind of visualize it into existence. 
never have faith because he could understand how God would fulfill it. And Abraham didn't have faith just because he felt it. Deep down in his gut, he just thought, yeah, absolutely. That wasn't what was going on at all. Instead, Abraham had faith because he concluded that God that God will keep the promises. That God will do what he said. That's the faith that we need to. Previously in this letter, writer pleaded, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. That he who promised this faith. We too need to hold on to the, the faith that God can do the impossible. That God can rescue sinners like you and me and declare us righteous in God's sight. That God can transform our hearts and our minds and make us more and more like Jesus. That God can work through us, through our weaknesses and limitations and demonstrate His power. That God can hold on to us, never letting us go, so that one day we will see Jesus face to face. We will share His glory. From our perspective, that might seem unlikely. It would be ridiculous. Therefore, impossible. And yet, we can hold unswervingly to this hope. Not because we really want it to happen. It's not the strength of our wishing that makes it happen. Not because we can imagine it. Not because we can picture its fulfillment. And certainly not because of us. Not because we are confident in who we are and what we can do. But rather it's because of who we know God. We know that the Lord is faithful. All his promises. Loving towards all that he has made. So we can put our faith in him. God always keeps his word. He will always do what he So Isaac was born in fulfillment of God's promise. But later, God gave Abraham the strangest of commands. He said this in Genesis chapter 23, verse 2. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. I'm sure that shocked Abraham just as much as it shocks us. Yes, child sacrifice was a part of the false religions of Canaan. A disgusting part of it. Our God is different. He's a God of love and holiness. And he hates child sacrifice. But more than that, God had said to Abraham, it is through Isaac, your offspring, that your offspring will be reckoned. So it made no sense to kill Isaac. How could God fulfill his promise if Isaac was dead? 
God often calls us to do things that go against our logic. Or our ideas of what should happen. Isaiah 55 says, For your, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. God calls people to glorify Him through their suffering, not necessarily through their healing. As we were thinking about last week with Tony, he displays his power in our weakness rather than choosing to do it through our strength. But this better faith means that we obey God even when it makes no sense. That's what Abraham did. But by faith, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, verse 17. In faith and obedience, Abraham took Isaac up Mount Moriah. He built an altar, he laid Isaac on it, and he would have sacrificed Isaac had God not intervened in the last minute and provided a run as a substitute offering. So why did Abraham do that? Why would Abraham even be willing to do that? Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back. Abraham hadn't seen or experienced a resurrection before. He didn't have the Bible to read about it, to read about Jesus' resurrection, as we'll be thinking about in a few weeks' time. But based on what he knew about God, he believed that God was so powerful, so incredible, that he could do more than he'd ever seen. Or experienced. Or could understand. And that is what happened. Because this was not just a test of Abraham's faith. This was not just an opportunity for Abraham to grow in his understanding of who God is. This incident was ultimately pointing forward, centuries forward, to another father who would sacrifice his son, his only son, whom he loved, on that very same mountain. And this time, there would be no last-minute reprieve. There would be no animal substitute. Instead, Jesus, the Lamb of God, would lay down his life for us. And so incredibly, by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. God is doing far more than what Abraham did. We need that same kind of faith. Faith to believe that God is not limited to do things that we can understand. His faith faith to believe that God is not restricted into only doing what we can know, or we can work out, or we can agree to, or we can make sense of. We need a faith that is in a God who is bigger than us. Faith to 
to obey a God who says to us, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. We need a God better than us. We need to believe God far more than we could ever ask or imagine. By faith, Abraham saw God work in amazing ways in his life. Abraham didn't experience everything that God had promised him. He died still waiting, still longing for more, and that was the same for the rest of his family. You see this in verse 20, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to the future, in blessing his sons, Isaac showed he was still trusting in the promises that God had given to his father Abraham. And Isaac's sons, Isaac son, Jacob, he did something similar when he blessed his grandchildren. Verse 21, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he laid the top of his staff. Joseph did something similar. By faith Joseph, verse 22, when the end was near, he spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. He believed that God would give the land of Canaan to his family. And so he said to them, you know, don't bury me in the ground, but store my bones so that when you go to Canaan, you can take my bones with me, with you and bury them in the promised land. He was still believing that God would keep his promises, even though hundreds of years had passed. So the writer concludes, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things they, the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers in the Like Abraham, they lived as nomads, trusting that one day God would fulfill his promises and one day God would give them the home that he had prepared for.
family, we were far from perfect. In many ways, as a family, we were incredibly dysfunctional. Yet despite this, they demonstrated incredible faith in God. And as a result, he was not ashamed to be their God. This is the bear of faith that will help us, enable us to persevere in our life. To refuse to turn back to what this world offers. To keep on moving forward. To follow Jesus. Even when we cannot see where he is leading us. To trust in Jesus. Even when it seems impossible. To obey Jesus. Even when it makes no sense. To wait on Jesus. Even when he delays. Because we can know that God keeps his promises. That God is faithful to his people. That his ways 